You just heard Vermont by Taylor Carroll and Taylor's joining me now to talk about her music. Hey Taylor, thanks for being here. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I'm very excited to be chatting with you because one of my favorite things about music is always, I'm always drawn to lyrics. And one of the things I noticed straight away about your music is that you have this very special way with words. They feel almost like poetry. I think you wrote a bit of poetry before you started getting into songwriting, so I would see why that would be. <laughs> I did. I um, Like you, lyrics are definitely one of the main things that I love about music or feel drawn to music um, because of... It's really funny. I actually just recently started making this Spotify playlist that I've been listening to and it's all in French and I don't speak French. Mm. And my friend Michaela was like, oh, this is so interesting for you because it just is really straying away from normally you know if I say listen to this song I'm like listen to this line like Mm. these words floored me um so yeah I guess that's an exception to the rule but more often than not normally when I fall in love with a song it's because I hear a line or a phrase and I'm just like floored by it um so and yeah I did start sort of writing poetry I guess when I started um thinking about words yeah fell in love with language and yeah Mm, I definitely feel that because I think what I I find special about your lyrics is that they're like I feel like they're very sharp and but also very human and very relatable moments or observations about life um and I thought it was funny when I read that you studied psychology I was like I wonder if that has fed into her songwriting like she just has a good (laughs) understanding of of the human brain (laughs) do you think it's affected you at all um I don't think like I don't think studying that has informed my writing at all but I think it probably I don't know stems from the same place if that makes sense like I think that my interest in humanity probably drew me to that vocation and then also drew me to want to write about people and emotions and experiences so I think like there's a curiosity in me that both of those things kind of feed in a similar but different way Mm. um but yeah I don't think I like look back on um psychology particularly when I'm writing um I did a lot of um philosophy units through uni as well and I think I probably relate to that more like relate back to that more sort of those like bigger concepts and stuff if I'm writing a song or thinking yeah. about a song and it's not conscious really but yeah that probably informs it more mm, that's really cool yeah I feel like they do kind of all come from the same place of trying to understand yourself and also trying to understand other people and the world generally which mm. yeah I guess like music is it is like storytelling and it's also like passing knowledge and and trying to answer questions as well yeah I can see how they are all kind of connected. It's really interesting. Yeah. Um, when you first put out Vermont, so that was the first mm-hmm. song you released, right, in 2019? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. What did you kind of, like, what were you expecting when you put that out? Has anything surprised you since then? You know, it's been two years now. Mm. Like, but I, I want to know what you were kind of imagining. Imagining. Um, it's so funny because those two years have like flown but dragged at the same time mm-hmm. um, and so much has happened and my life looks entirely different to how it did two years ago when I released that song. Um, not just by virtue of 2020 and what that yeah. was but just so many things in my life are completely different. 
Um, so yeah, that's really funny that two years have passed. I'm like, has it only been two years? But also, wow, it's been two years. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when I release songs, I try really hard not to have too many expectations. I think um, it's funny. I I read a an excerpt from a interview that Nick Cave did a while ago about songs and mm-hmm. how they're their own um, people almost. Like he thinks of his songs as his own people. And I mean, he was using this way of looking at music to explain um, lyrics that he wrote. Um, and it was kind of in defense of the lyrics within the context of cancel culture, which is not what I kind of am referring back to it as now. Mm-hmm. But I definitely related to that idea that once you write a song, it almost is out of your control to a degree. Once you write it, it becomes its own um, entity or thing. And so it's really hard to have expectations of it because I think if you start having expectations of a song, the song starts needing to become something else to reach those expectations or to meet those expectations, which is not the way that I think a song is best served. Um, So I think when I first released... When I first released that song, I think that was about it just being time that I had something out there and I don't know, it was definitely an exercise in building an identity musically for myself. Yeah. And I think it served that purpose in in those early stages. And, uh, yeah, aside from that, I don't know, I try, I'd, yeah, try not to connect any specific expectations to a release. Mm. Yeah, I really... I think Vermont is is this beautiful song because it's because you've said that this song is kind of about um, how your past baggage and like your past heartaches and experiences kind of inform your later relationships and mm. that's just like an inescapable part of being human. Um, but with the song as well, there is this sense of hope and like resilience and almost like a refusal to stop trying like almost an inevitability that things will just continue to grow like the trees that grow despite all the odds so yeah. many beautiful lines in this song oh, thank <laughs> um, you. <laughs> but I was wondering like you know you, you talked about how you started putting music out in 2019 and it it was like yeah it just felt like it was the time did it did music kind of feel like an inevitability for you or was it something that you kind of wrestled with or had to fight for like no I'm going to do this or was it like it was always going to happen you know yeah um I think that there's an there was always an inevitability for me in that I've never not been in love with music like I I um can't remember a time that I wasn't wanting music to be my my job um and I always grew up being like, you know, I want to be a singer and loving singing. And yeah, so it definitely always felt inevitable in those early stages of childhood. Like I was just like, that's what I'm going to do. And then there was a point where I wrestled with it, where I I think I became a bit afraid of um, pursuing music. And I sort of got to an age of like 15 or something where people were asking me what I wanted to do with my life. And I started being like, I want to be an architect or something. Cause I felt silly being like, I want to be a musician because you do get this reaction from people where, you know, it stops being cute and it starts sounding like silly or something. And people mm. are like, Oh, well, you better have a good backup or, yeah. um, and, and people start actively kind of 
redirecting you. <laughs> yeah, it's um, terrible. <laughs> yeah, and so, you know, I just kind of, it became like a secret dream <laughs> for a while where I was kind of telling everyone I wanted to be an architect or a psychologist or, um, you know, whatever else. And then I, I went to uni when I finished school and I told myself that that was just me kind of putting a safety net in place and that I was still going to pursue music. And then I realised that um, actually pursuing anything is quite consuming as it should be and um, that I couldn't really pursue music and a career in psychology mm. um, simultaneously and so um, music kind of won out again yeah. Um, yeah so I think it's something that has been a, a, a grap- like something I've grappled with I suppose mm. yeah. I definitely feel that as well like this whole battle between other people's expectations and your own self-doubt and then also really wanting to pursue your dreams and feeling like you have no other option in I'm not sold. Mm. Um, And there's also this idea, like one of the lines that really um, struck me in this song was, oh, pretty young thing, this time won't last. It's like this condescension, you know, and like this idea that youth is like this thing that we worship in our culture. It's like the most valuable thing that people have um especially for women like obviously everyone struggles with that but for women I think their value is very much tied to their youth a lot of the time Mm. um and I was wondering if that's something that you've kind of felt or struggled with as an artist yeah absolutely yeah and it's something I probably still grapple with and I think it made um you know last year really tricky because I had all these plans and then I couldn't do them and I was like but I'm running out of time Mm. (laughs) I really have so many years I can do this and um it's so um yeah I think music in my experience it just is such a young person's game Mm. which such a shame um and such a loss because I think about how much better my writing is now compared to how it was even four years ago Mm. and it um can only get better I assume I hope I'll experience more things I'll get better at my craft and so yeah, it just seems so sad that there would be the, this dissuasion from people continuing to pursue something when they're actually getting good. In fact, I think I saw a quote the other day um, by, I think it was Cher or something. I was just scrolling down Instagram. Anyway, and she was like, it takes it takes 20 years to be good at this craft and by the time you're good, you're redundant or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Yeah, and so I think women in so many different careers as well like I'm sure if you're a woman pursuing almost anything there's this added time pressure especially I don't know if you are planning on starting a family or doing something like that you're like oh I've got to get all this done and I've got to get it all done and I've got to make something of myself in like half the time yeah then I'm gonna also want to do this thing maybe I don't know which again is is just so sad because it results in this loss of people when they're actually mastering their craft still being out there doing it but um yeah I think it will change I hope slowly but Mm. yeah yeah it's just it's quite a first of all love share what an icon (laughs) (laughs) but also like it's just so crazy like this idea that it is supposed to be well music in particular but it applies to so many things like a young person's craft where it's like people you know over a certain age don't have anything of value to share but they're the ones who have like life experience and and you might actually like learn something and 
you know, that's not to say you can't learn things from younger people, but like I, I'm definitely interested in hearing, you know, stories from people older than me as well. Um, mm. I think there, there's like this weird, it's like the whole, you know, that the invisibility of like middle-aged women, you know, like they just kind mm. of stop meaning anything. It's, yeah. Yeah. So sad. It is. It is. Um, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. And um, I mean, I guess with music, the way that it has operated as an industry in the past, it kind of, you know, you can see how it became this young person's pursuit in, you know, you're like living life on the road, touring and mm. things like that. And and the way that you look at, I don't know, stereotypical rock and roll culture and drinking and stuff yeah. like that. So you can see, I guess, how this, I don't know, and then when people romanticise that lifestyle and that is what a consumer buys into when they're listening to music as well kind of yeah. thing, you can see how totally. it became this this young person's playground. Um, yeah, but it's like <laughs> no one wants to see their friend's mum like getting drunk every night on the road. It's like, oh, yeah. well, you should be at <laughs> home or something, you know. It's like this. That's not as romantic or, yeah. yeah. Um, so... I, and so I think for, for men, it's definitely also still kind of a, a, a young person's pursuit too. It's just to yeah. a lesser degree. Yeah. There's just maybe other aspects of their identity that, that aren't also bound up in that yeah. um, issue. Hmm. Again, about I'm not sold because this song really grabbed me straight away because I have two sisters and this line, my sister sees through me, is just, it's so true. Do you think that you and your sister are quite similar or are you very different? Um, me and this sister, it's so funny. She's probably the only person in the world who I experience like acute anger with. Like I'm just, I'm, it takes a lot to make me angry. Um, but she definitely <laughs> knows how to, like knows me very well, I guess, which is how she can see through me. Um, we are similar in ways, but also very, very different in a lot of ways as well. Um, I think we probably have similar opinions on things and obviously share a lot of experiences. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I would say I would say we're quite different. I think also the older we get, we sort of form more and more idiosyncrasies that are just ours kind of thing because um, when we were teenagers, everyone used to be like, oh, you guys are the same person. Um, yeah. But no, I, I would say that, yeah, the way we operate and think is probably quite different. Mm. It's funny, isn't it? Like having, you know, siblings are so strange because you just grow up with these people that have, they go through the same kind of family experiences as you and everything. And then people start to move out and you start having your own experiences separate from each other. And, you mm. know, yeah, the way that you kind of evolve together and also apart. No, it's I'd like to read some studies about it I think it's very fascinating yeah it's really really interesting and it's kind of yeah there are so many different common experiences but I still think people underestimate how many separate experiences you still have though as well like I think about how much you know my school like high school experiences have influenced who I am probably mm. um and how much I learned in that time and you spend so much time looking outside of the nuclear sort of family space when you're in those developmental years of, um, I don't know, adolescence. Yeah. Um, so how similar are those experiences to your siblings? I don't know. Yeah, true. Mm. I guess you never will know because you can't 
jump into each other's brains <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> at least not yet maybe one day in the future <laughs> true for now we'll just have to settle for like diary swaps or something which yeah. sounds terrifying oh Awful. I would never do that <laughs> <laughs> um yeah also speaking of writing um I read a piece that you wrote for Sun Genre, The Fallacy of Originality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved it. Um, and I really thought it was interesting how you were talking about, like, you know, everyone puts so much weight on an artist being original, which obviously you want originality, but it's also, like, kind of an unattainable thing because everything comes from somewhere. Like, nothing is created out mm. of nothing. Um, mm. And you kind of argue in the piece that authenticity is, like, the biggest power of an artist or their greatest power and I was wondering if for you do you feel like you have to actively work at being authentic with your lyrics do you have to pull yourself up and be like no this isn't you know this isn't truthful this isn't authentic or does it come really naturally to you to just you know put it out there exactly as it is yeah um I think that it's it's definitely not something I think of in the moment of writing because for me, when I'm writing a song, I am not really thinking about what's coming out. Like I, I feel like I have to let it just all come out and with no judgment. Like I have to let myself write whatever I want to write and not judge it at all. Yeah. Um, which means sometimes I write things and I look back on them and I'm like, that's terrible. <laughs> um, but that's that's how it comes, I guess. Um, so it's probably the opposite. I feel like it's about letting everything just kind of fall out of you and it's just a process of accepting what comes more and more and more maybe yeah to allow to allow your writing to become more authentic um and I think it comes after I think to be authentic you first have to try on lots of different clothes and outfits (laughs) and then you kind of take bits of them all and and become this kind of Frankenstein self of everything that you've tried on before and explored which is another reason that artists should be able to be old (laughs) (laughs) yeah please don't stop making music I hope you're still making music like you know in your 40s and 50s I'll be listening to it don't worry (laughs) (laughs) thank you yeah uh Uh, yeah that is interesting though like this idea of kind of being a patchwork of like these different versions of you kind of or different I don't know, styles or personas. Um, mm. Yeah. As like a way of finding your authentic self, I suppose. Yeah. 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 I, I think though, like what I find about um, your music is that this, it does feel authentic. And I think that that is what makes it have this element of like being timeless, which is what a lot of people have said, because I've read your reviews on, on the, interweb or whatever (laughs) I sound like I'm 50 now on the line you know on the interwebs (laughs) I've been looking you up Taylor Um, (laughs) but no people really like one of the things I read was um like having your music kind of feels like it has one foot in the past and one firmly in the future you know it has like an element of nostalgia to it and I think that's definitely true well for all of your songs but when I listen to to please ya and also watch the video for it. It has this very like great kind of 70s rock feeling to it for me. Mm. Um, and I just absolutely love, I adored that 
music video. It looked so fun and it's so visually stunning as well. Uh, so I wanted to know what's been your favourite one because you've done a music video for each of your songs now. Have you had a favourite one yeah. to shoot? Um, yeah, I really like making video clips. <laughs> um, I think it's... Um, I'm quite a visual person and I often visualise things like whilst I'm writing or recording. Mm. Um, so I really like that part of the process and um, To Please You was, is my favourite, definitely. Um, I think I, I don't know, it's like when you create things, sometimes you discover things about yourself as you do it and that was definitely mm. one of those moments. I just had lots of fun being really expressive and it's kind of like silly but it's also not silly at the same time mm -hmm. like I'm quite serious about the portrayal as well as it being tongue-in-cheek I don't know how to describe that there's this weird dichotomy there in the performance where it's like I'm being I'm joking but I'm not really yeah um <laughs> uh yeah so that that I think was really fun and also that kind of led into somehow I ended up dancing on stage to kind of bring that video clip into my live performance and that has been one of the most freeing and um, fun things ever. Um, yeah, so That's definitely that clip, I think. Yeah, one of the things, though, I, when I was watching it, I was like, oh, my God, imagine cutting around that keyboard, like, all over the place. Like, that must have been some work. <laughs> uh, admittedly, Nick, who I made the video clip, did most of the lugging. Um, uh -huh. Good. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> there were also moments that had to be carried like over fences oh. and stuff. It was yeah, a bit of a anyway. Yeah, well, commitment. Yeah, exactly. It's commitment. Yeah. To art. <laughs> it was worth it. It's a great, great video. Um, I don't want to make you too sad if you haven't been able to record because of COVID and stuff. But uh, I know that you're working on releasing your album. How's that going? Mm -hmm. Have you been able to? <laughs> <laughs> is it progressing yeah uh slowly but surely um no I actually I went in um supposed to record 2020 mm -hmm. and then and then couldn't so it was going to do that in the middle of last year couldn't and then this year I had studio time booked in and then there was a snap lockdown so that got pushed forward and then I managed to get um time in the studio just before this last lockdown so got in there and recorded the bulk of drums and bass for the album but it's a bit of a um I don't know you kind of have to be a bit opportunistic about it and then also my people that I'm working with are working with other people as well so right it's 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 sometimes hard to knock lock things in because in these windows of space where, the, where everyone's not locked in their homes yeah everyone's kind of trying to get stuff done at the same time so it's like I want to do this and this and this and you know everyone wants to record in the in yeah. the brief moments that they can so uh, yeah, it's it's been challenging and um, it's it's been frustrating, but also it's out of your control. So mm. just got to keep repeating that mantra to yourself. It's out of my control. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Are you still be okay yeah. with it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the second part. <laughs> it's out of my control, and that's okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you still uh, hopeful that you can release it, like at the end of the year? I think the way that the world is right now and the music industry is right now, it's just kind of forces this short-sightedness on you a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I want to get the album complete and I haven't really thought too far into when I'll specifically release it. I just want to have it as this complete 
piece of work and then I'll yeah. start thinking about that and it depends what everything looks like when that happens um there'll definitely be singles released soon though that's exciting yeah cool well yeah. I can't wait to hear everything that you put out really looking forward to it thank you me too mm. me too and hopefully some shows yeah yeah shows yeah. are fun I really hope that they come back soon as well me too. And I hope they kind of recover to the full extent. I think it'll take time for people to relax enough to kind of go to shows like we used to, because it's weird at the moment. It's like, you can't be spontaneous, but you also can't plan to a degree. <laughs> true. That's so true. Yeah. And yeah, I think people are getting a bit fatigued with the whole, like I buy a ticket and then it's canceled and then I get a refund and then I, so um, yeah, looking forward to it to it being existing kind of as it did yeah me too here's hoping everything will. will come back eventually <laughs> just like the trees that grow despite all the <laughs> the gigs and the live music and everything it will persevere and yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh well I think uh we can all have a listen to your lovely to please ya this one might be my favorite although it's very hard to pick and I want to thank you so much for having this chat with me. It was so nice to talk to you. Oh, thank you. Likewise. Thanks so much for having me.